build, we breathe, we learn, we breathe, we move, we breathe, we serve, we breathe, we stretch, we breathe, we invest, we breathe, we produce, we breathe, we harvest, we breathe. Every moment is an opportunity to exalt God with our lives, with our skills, with our calling, and our being. When we work, we breathe. But when we rest, we remember where our breath comes from. Since the beginning of creation, God has given us a rhythm, a pattern for pausing, and he called it Sabbath. It's the wide open space, the quiet waters, the shelter in his presence peace. It's the easy yoke of Jesus. It's between our every landing and every takeoff, between our finding and our searching, between our endings and our beginnings. Sabbath is God's invitation to close our eyes and to see. He is near. He is enough. In Him we live and move and have our being, our breathing. So rest and remember where your breath comes from. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. This side was good. This side, not so much. All right, apparently. Um, good morning. I'm, uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Kesed, and it's my honor and privilege to be sharing with you today. Every once in a while, uh, we do what we're going to do today. Um, normally, when we teach in, at Kesed, we do what's called a sermon series, and we take kind of a bigger concept, and we go on a journey together. Uh, every once in a while, a couple of times throughout the year, we do what we call is a standalone talk, and that's what this is today. And what we've come to realize is that our standalone talks are kind of built to equip us for the journey. And I think that's kind of timely as uh, we have a journey to go uh, on together. We start a new series next week that we are really excited for and, and trusting and expecting God to move uh, on. And in this new season, um, do you, do you feel the season changing? Like just little, a little bit, right, changing? Um, anyone had the elusive pumpkin spice yet? Yes? <laughs> yes. I love that. I've done this every service, and like I'm watching people's faces, and the joy, the people that have and love it, like the joy on their face is like Christmas morning joy. Like, yes, I have. I sat with a friend this week who had pumpkin, pumpkin spice for the first time this season and watched them have it, and then 
they described it as a religious experience. So I don't know about that. As a pastor, and I'm, yeah, sure, yep, yep, God is in all things. Yes, okay, sure. Uh, but that's one of the markers that the season is shifting. It's changing. It's still warm outside, thankfully. But if you look outside of my house, a few leaves are starting to change their color. Uh, kids are going back to school, and um, football is coming back, right? And so, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, a, a bunch of guys just kind of silently cheered, right? It's not, as, it's not as openly cheered as the pumpkin spice, but, but it was a little, a lot of you were real excited. It's great. Um, this shift is happening, so the rhythm is changing to our year. One of the things that uh, we do to celebrate this shift every year is we celebrate Labor Day. Labor Day serves as an unofficial transition from summer to fall. Um, and there's a reason why this is celebrated, and I, and I wonder how you are going to celebrate it. For some of us, that's going to be a casual day. For others of us, we have plans. Um, some actually have to work, but all of the above. But there, there's a reason that this day exists on our calendar. And I want to spend a minute just kind of unpacking a little bit of the history behind that, because I think it's important for us. See, in the late 1800s, at the height of the Industrial Revolution in the United States, the average American worked 12-hour days and seven-day weeks in order to eke out a basic living. Despite restrictions in some states, even children as young as five or six toiled in mills, factories, and mines across the country, earning a fraction of their adult counterparts' wages. And it became clear that a change needed to happen. We became aware that our relationship, our with, rhythm with work is out of whack. And so, on June 28, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed into law the celebration of Labor Day. And this day, the original kind of meaning of this, on this day we are meant to rest and remember. Rest and remember. To rest your body and mind from your labors, and in so doing, this is very important, to acknowledge that you are more than just a worker. Right? You're more, what you have to offer and who you are, your identity is not just found in your work. And, and we needed a body or a day to embody that activity because some of the ways in which we were doing work didn't communicate that. And this day is also meant to remember and pay tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers and honor their, and I didn't choose this word lightly, honor their sacrifices. Because wherever you spend your life is a sacrifice. And for many of us, we need to stop and remember that even though we get to, sh to shift our rhythm just a little bit and, and most of the time be off on a day like this, there were a lot of people that never got to. And we honor that, and we stop, and we pause. We rest, and we remember. See, the scriptures, scriptures teach us also that there is power in resting and remembering, that these are good and necessary things. They are actually important things. So let's talk about that for a second, right? This idea of rest, right? Because what we want to do is be people that embody truth, not just speak it, not just say it, and not just point to it. We want to actually live it out. So if we were to do a little bit of an audit of your schedule, right? A little bit of an audit of your schedule. And when I talk about rest, right? I'm not talking about like watching Netflix, by the way, okay? I'm talking about true rest, the sort of thing that fills your soul 
up, right? And, and this is, doesn't have to be for an entire day, but let's just start with this idea. If we were to audit your life and we were to look and we were to, to kind of examine it, and someone that doesn't know you was to look at it, could they look at the way that you order your life and where you spend your life and how you sacrifice, and they, could they discern from that that rest is really important? Would they? Right? That the idea of stopping and remembering and getting out of a rhythm that this world presents us is actually important. Or could it be, for some of us, we live a rhythm in our life that doesn't communicate that. Actually, there's part of us that thinks, I don't really need rest. I can work hard and I don't really need a lot of rest. And we take a lot of pride in that often, right? I don't need as much rest as everybody else. But the conversation that we want to have today is acknowledging the fact that rest is wired into creation and that we live in a world that does not celebrate this. And as Christ's followers, we are called to live counterculturally. And there are times in which the stream of Christianity moves directly with the stream of culture, and there are other times that we are flowing in different directions. This is one of those areas that I, I think we have to be honest that we don't do this very well. Yet the scriptures teach that this is important. If you looked at the life of Jesus... Right? You, would see, you would see a continual rhythm. You would see him ministering. You would see him healing. You would see him teaching. And then this thing would continually happen. Luke 5 tells us of one such occasion. That Jesus had this habit of retiring to deserted places and praying. And he would do so like in the midst of doing the very thing that seemed the most important. He was healing. He was teaching. He was guiding people that needed guidance. He was loving them. And in the middle of that, he would just leave. And he would go off into the wilderness. I love how some translations actually put it. They say that he would withdraw himself. It's like a banking transaction, right? And he's in essence saying, I'm no longer going to invest here. I'm going to go over here. And something about this, leaving this really important work that I'm doing, that I'm able to do, and going before my father in prayer, and listening to him, and getting out of this rhythm, and going into this rhythm, this also is an investment, I don't know if we live like that. Most of the time, our rest is the, we treat it as if it's just the necessary payment to get back to work, right? I sleep as little as I can so that I can get back to work, right? I, I cram my life full of things to do. And friends, the buffet of life has even changed. There are more options at the buffet of things that you can give your life to. And a lot of them are like really fun and entertaining, right? Yet, God has given us a rhythm so that we can discern, where do I spend my life? Where do I offer my life to God? Jesus would leave these really good things because he was embodying and giving us a pattern and a way of life and teaching us how to discern. Because he knew that there is an art of leaving things undone so that the greater things can be done. So you are called to greater things. Everyone here, everyone watching online right now, 
You have different stories, you have different experiences, you have different goals out of this day, out of this weekend, all of the above. But I know that there is one thing, there's several things that we have in common, but there is one that all of us have in common. I know this about you without even knowing you. I know this about you. You want your life to matter. You want how you spend your moments, your hours, your days, all of your resources, all of your energies, all of your gifts. You want that. I know this, right? Even if some of us have patterns that don't really align with that, I know that that is a desire that's inside of you. We all want to be pouring our life into something that matters and that is bigger than ourselves, bigger than us, not just my desire. And I think that there is a discipline there is a discipline to stay pouring our lives into the things that matter. Can it be that we need to take a hard look at our rhythms? That without the practices of resting and remembering, it is easy for our sacrifices to be misdirected and our priorities to be out of order. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to read a couple passages to us, and they're kind of going to serve as our foundation for our discussion. I'm going to read those passages, and then we're going to unpack them a little bit together because it's really important that we see how the, the beauty of God's Word is, is speaking this rhythm over our lives. I'm going to read for us Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, we're going to get back to that, it's a really important line, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. That's what we all want. Again, that's what I know. That's what we all want. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we break that down, we are called to worship, to, to declare that God is worthy of praise, and there is proper worship. And that looks like offering our bodies and what we do with them. So our gifts, our talents, our work, our efforts, and even our rest over to God. And we don't do this brazenly, but we do so full of trust that his purposes are greater than ours. That could it be that your rhythms and the way that you know how to do things might not just be the best. One of the things that we, as you get older, you recognize as you become more and more kind of acclimated to other people's families and stories is that um, one of the hard, like doing youth, pastor, or youth pastoring for a lot of years, I watched this happen as kids get older. There's this like awareness like, oh my gosh, what I experienced isn't what everyone experienced. Like, there's this, like, oh, there's different ways of looking at this whole thing. And so having the ability to recognize that and then discern, like, well, is theirs right? Is, is mine right? Can I take truth from all of this and come find God in the center of it? Right? We trust that his purposes are greater than ours. But then in this text, there's a warning. The warning is that there is a way to do this that follows the pattern of this world in this way, and in this way you can actually accomplish much. You can accomplish a lot. There is a way in which at this point you shift over and you just go right in, into the pattern of this world as opposed to God's pattern. You can get a lot of done in this, in this world's pattern. 
can get a lot done. You can accomplish a whole lot. And the question is, though, does it eternally matter? The question is, though, am, am I sent to, to spend my life as a sacrifice in that place? You see, it's only by shedding that pattern and renewing our patterns altogether that we can discern and find what we are really after, his heart, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. But our patterns can be pretty broken, right? I use a story from my own life as an example. The, uh, about a week ago, my wife and I, we celebrated our anniversary, and we have a little one right now, so getting away is kind of hard for us to do. And we were able, thank you, Grandma, uh, for watching our boys, and we were able to get away for a dinner together, and my wife got us a gift for our anniversary. It was beautiful. It was a blessing. And she got us this beautiful um, devotional together, right? And, and so I open this thing, and it's awesome, and, and my words truly is just, I'm blessed by this. And I look at it, and I'm sharing this very, <laughs> confessing publicly, because I became aware of a pattern inside of me really quickly. As I looked at this devotion, I was so excited, and this is going to be great. And then I really looked at it, and it said we had to do it every day. And I promised the thing in me, there was like whatever pattern that existed in there that I wasn't even aware of was like, you can't do that. Like we don't have, we don't have time for that. Every day? Like every like day day? Like of the week? Like is it a weekly one? Can we have a kind of bi-weekly? Is there a way that we can? And like all of a sudden this pattern popped up that I didn't even realize existed. See, if you'd ask me what's the best place to spend my life, of course it's with my wife and encouraging and supporting one another and being in a place where we grow and we cultivate our relationship. Yet, at an anniversary dinner, she hands me this beautiful gift and a pattern popped up that was like, meh, that's not where we want to spend our life, right? We chuckle about that <laughs> a little bit, right? But, but since then, I have had this deep Holy Spirit conviction that says, wow, I didn't even know that was there. That, that exists. What else? What other patterns might be there that when I am given the gift of a beautiful opportunity that the pattern in which of this world that I have been given because somehow I looked at my schedule really quickly just in a blink and was like, I can't do that every day. The, the problem is I was looking at my schedule as if it was fixed, right? This is how much time I have and I, when looking at that, I can't fit that in. What, what resting and remembering is, is this continual giving back to God all of my schedule and all of my agenda and all of the things I'm supposed to do and clearing the room and clearing the table and trusting him and saying, Lord, what comes back? Right? But most of the time, we just we keep filling our schedules and our agendas and our patterns and our rhythms completely. And then, if we're honest, we have no margin for when the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and speaks directly into our heart this good thing, this, to, a way in which to move inside of love and grace. We're like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can fit it in, Lord. This goes back to our devotional lives. This goes back to our prayer lives, friends. Ah, I don't know if we can fit it in. I don't know if we look at rest correctly. This isn't a new thing, though. Jesus talked about rest quite a bit. He said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
right? If you were in a really honest moment, would you put yourself in the weary and burdened category? Right? Most of us, if not right now, we have been in one, especially in this last season that we've been in. And Jesus says, I will give you rest, but not your rest, by the way. Not just an extra hour so you can watch another show or do whatever you do, which doesn't mean it's a bad thing. But what Jesus is talking about is different. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is talking about a different kind of rest than our culture gives us. This isn't the only time that he talked about this in Mark chapter 2. See, Jesus was always getting in trouble, right? He was continually finding people that were supposed to be embodying uh, his father's wishes, the religious leaders of the day, and he was recognizing that they, our, our verse earlier, he was recognizing that they were not living in full view of God's mercy, right? So the way that, in which that they taught this, heaped rules and structures onto the people to which you, you often could miss God altogether because you were just trying to keep his rules, and so in Mark chapter 2, there's this interaction where the religious leaders are, are criticizing Jesus and his disciples about how they, are, how they are embodying and living out this Sabbath. And Jesus says these incredible words. He says this, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even, on, even of the Sabbath. If I make something and I give it to you, I think that makes it a gift, right? If I gave you the gift of rest, like if I truly had the powers to clear your schedule, if I truly had the power to look at your agenda, your work schedule, every, all of the above, and I cleared the next couple days out, and I gave you the opportunity for the gift of rest, could you receive it? For a lot of us, there is, we, we have to recognize that we, we might think we are closer to God's rhythm than we actually are. If I gave you, it, honestly, if you were to give me four hours, right, to say, hey, I, I want to give you some rest, you know what I would naturally do? I would fill that four hours really quickly because i got a lot to do, right? My schedule's pretty full, and so what I would do, thank you, I, let me get more done, right? We are not good receivers of the gift. Oftentimes, our, our lives and our rhythms actually say we're pretty ungrateful receivers of the gift of rest. And so there's work to be done here. There's work to be done here. Rest is a gift. I recently heard the story of a pastor talking about how he was studying through the Ten Commandments, and he was talking to a group of other pastors. And he said how, as he studied, he realized that if he broke nine of the commandments, you know, really truly broke them, if he stole, if he truly stole it and coveted, that he was at risk of losing his job and losing his family, right? But one of the commandments, the one to keep the Sabbath, the one that, that encouraged us to live in a rhythm that stops just the production line, he said, if I break this one, I'm actually more likely to get a raise than be fired. And what that tells me is that we live in a place, even inside of our churches, in our rhythms. So again, I mentioned this idea of countercultural. 
There are, there are disciplines that we have to guard to embody the love of Christ, right? But this is one of those areas where the fence is down and it's been down for some time inside of the church. And we don't live in a way that actually says that I have to go rest and remember. I got it once and so I'll just go. And we don't see, we don't see resting we don't see resting as actually accomplishing something itself. The idea of workism is the belief that work is, this, is the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose, and the belief that any policy to pr- promote human welfare must always encourage more work. For a lot of us, we just think if our uh, happiness is on the other side of our hard work. Now, it is. Here's the, th- here's the tension we have to live in, right? You are not defined by your work. But it matters. You see what I'm saying? You are not defined. Your identity is not defined by what you do and how much you do it. But it matters, Right? And so there, the reason we stop, we rest and remember, is to get that truth, is to be reaffirmed in that truth, that your performance at your job or the roles that you play does not define who you are. So many of us, we need to hear that. And yet we need, also need to hear that in that resting, you are sent out from that rest to the place God, where God exactly called you to be. Psalm 127.2 says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. With that, man, that, that hits right in the heart. Do our rhythms eat the bread of anxious toil? For he gives to his beloved sleep. I said this earlier. What if you were literally to just give over your bedtime to God? Like literally, like, like it wasn't designed around when the show ended or when whatever happened. It was literally like, Lord, when should I rest? This is yours. I'm called by you. Right? This, is, this is difficult because we are so programmed. Do I have any podcast friends here? Like love podcast? It's okay. Podcasts aren't bad. All right. You can, I pro- whatever asks this question, I have to affirm because they're like, wait, is he going to tell us to sin? No, I'm not. <laughs> right? Well, it can be, but I love me some podcasts. Oh my gosh, I love learning. It's kind of my vice, right? And I, by the re- and I love this vice because I get to hide it often, right? I get to hide it as I love learning. I love, look at me, I'm growing. But I did this thing this week where I spent three days and I said, I'm not allowed to listen. I always listen to podcasts in my truck, right? Driving wherever I go. And I said, I'm not allowed to listen. And it was awkward, Right? Right? And what I became to realize is I'm just so used to filling. If I have mental capacity, I need to fill it. Right? I need to put some new content into there. I need to watch a new show. I need to listen to a new podcast. I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to. And this gets us down to the crux of the matter is that, friends, we have to really pay attention to our compulsions. When can you not stop? That's part of the reason that we, st- we rest and we remember is that we build these rhythms into our life that we literally can't stop. 
We, we can't. We just go and we go and we go. And this shows up in devastating ways. And sometimes this shows up in really unique ways. I mentioned, I mentioned football earlier, right? All right, we are Seahawks fans in my life, in my family, okay? And I have a rebellious son that's a Packers fan, right? And we're working on that. We're praying that out of him, all right? Sin. Sin in his life. <laughs> but here's the thing. For many of us, as the rhythm changes, the football, beautiful. I love sports. I, love, I think there is this beautiful opportunity inside of sports. I've spent a lot of my time playing sports. There's a beautiful opportunity that we have for people to come together with different skill sets towards a common goal and learn how to work together. That's a beautiful thing, right? But, but here's the thing. Um, this season is about to shift, and we're about to go to football season. Here's what I know. For many of us, because of the rhythm that we've had and the habits that we have for many years, you will remember when the game is. Every time. You will remember. You will not forget. Right? And you will devote your life, and you will order your life around that experience. Now, again, friends, I'm not telling you that's bad. But what we have to do continually is give that to God to say, wait, are there other things that, like, if someone were just to literally watch my life, would they see that I have other priorities that supersede this one? Is that true? Am I telling the story that I was designed to tell with my life? The scripture teaches that there is power in resting and remembering. And this is something that you choose. It's a discipline that you choose to remain in. Now, God knew this, and much of what we are discussing is contained inside of this often misunderstood word, Sabbath, right? It's one of these crazy words. Whenever I have a talk like this, you know what it is? It feels like a eat your vegetables talk, right? You're like, yes, I know, more vegetables, more rest, more Bible study, more prayer, all that good stuff, right? And when we, again, we're staring at this, we're like, well, okay, I got to find out how to fit that into my life. But Sabbath is so much deeper. It is a rhythm of creation. It's the way God designed us to live. And we have to find our rhythm inside of that. So here's what I want to do. Um, we don't always do this, but uh, there is a, an amazing resource that um, is free and is accessible to anyone uh, online called The Bible Project. And it's actually a group out of Portland that has come together and put together some amazing resources about how to understand the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to learn the stories of the Bible, how to see many of the large themes of the Bible. And uh, it's brought together by some great theologians and then great artists as well. And they have a wonderful teaching because what I think we need to do, for us to not just look at this as eat some more vegetables, for us to see this as something deeper in our souls that is needed, I want to spend a little bit of time understanding God's purpose for Sabbath and see how this is part of the rhythm, not just of your life, but of all of God's creation. So let's go ahead and watch this uh, together. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. 
But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. 
It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him, or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I began earlier sharing from Romans. When we talk about this idea of of offering our lives as a living sacrifice, the text told us to do so in view of God's mercy, in view of what he has done on our behalf, the love and grace that he has offered to us. Now, I think that's really important imagery for us to see because when we are filling our schedules and our lives with really good things and and fun things and beautiful things, um, it's easy to miss that. But the language here is, is as if you need to often step back and make sure that what you are doing and how you are spending your life is in full view of this story, of the eternal story, of the story that God has been telling from the very beginning. And our job is to keep, to keep what we do in full view, to keep God in full view. Sometimes we operate and our, our view is pretty obstructed. See, to rest is an act of trust. It is trusting that I can stop producing and the world will keep going on. For some of us, we actually need to do less to do more good. We actually need to do less production. We need to look at the rhythm of our life. And for us to to really calibrate and say, Lord, where am I sent? And we start with relationships. What? Who am I called to love right now? What should that love look like right now? I know a lot of us are really talented and we can kind of get into a room and feel it out and feel like this is it. But most of the really good things in your life require a level of discipline and intentionality to do them really well. And in this season, in this time of life, it is so important that you cultivate a way to rest and remember. We'll have several of those here at Kessid over the fall. We have rooted. It's literally built around rhythms. The whole thing is about rhythm and and realizing that um, for many of us, as much as we love God, we don't spend any time with him during the week. Right? So how do we get back to a place of just, just incorporating that into our rhythm? But we trust and we know that Jesus lived in a rhythm of life that not only kept him free from burnout, but far beyond that, it kept him full of God. So that he could be sent. Because he knew that there is an art of leaving things undone so that the greater things can be done. There's an art to this. There's a way in which we embody this. We trust it. As we kind of close our time today, I want to challenge you just a little bit. I want to ask that you would be willing to examine your life and your rhythms. I don't know what that would actually look like for you or even require For a lot of us, it it needs to start with just the basic idea of prayer, whether that's creating space for that, whether that's journaling, whether that's bringing someone else into our life so that 
They can, they can kind of um, bring a view that we don't see in our lives, but we need that. Because we started with this idea, this trust, this knowing that you want your life to matter. Here's the thing. This whole thing works when we all play our role. The church, the body of Christ, works best when we all participate. We all are finding, working our way through and finding where love should look like in this world. It's not just sitting and watching. It's sitting and watching so that we can rest and remember and be sent. I tell everyone, when we do our Hello Keza class monthly, I tell everyone there, and you get a little portion of it right now, right? If you're here, if you're part of this community, I need you to know, I need you to feel the weight of this. You're needed here. Like all, like all of you. Not just the, the participator part of you, but the serving part of you and the loving part of you and the giving part of you, even the brokenness of your story. God has a way of using that all together. But I pray that there is a way in which you don't just become, see friends, in our culture there's such an emphasis, such an emphasis on you being entertained. There's a way in which even we take church and we, we treat it the same as the show that we watch. Mm, that was good. That was good. As if it was designed to entertain you. No, friends, this, our time together, is designed to transform you. So sometimes we need to stop and figure out where does that transformation need to happen. As, a, as Christ followers, we regularly receive communion together, and we're going to do that today. I think you guys were given this, and I'd love for you to get that out for us. Now, before we do, I want to read something over us today. Generally, when we receive communion, we, we talk about the passages talking about communion, but I think today it's important I think today is important to read some of Jesus' words as he reminds us that as we move forward in our lives, that we can accomplish much apart from him, but that that much often doesn't matter in the same way as what he's calling us to. In John 15, it says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit, because that's what we want. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Live in me. Don't live apart from me. Keep me in full view. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you. Unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And it goes on to say, if you 
Abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, live, be, never leave my love. That's why we rest and remember. So today, together, as people have for generations throughout the church, we partake of the bread, celebrating his body broken on our behalf. And we drink of the cup as a way to rest and remember that love came down and put on flesh and was crucified on a cross and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins so that we could have relationship with this God. So we drink of the cup. We're going to close a little bit differently today. I'm going to ask that you close your eyes, wherever you're at, real quick, okay? Instead of doing, I ask that you listen to your breath for a second. I ask that you shift your focus to the one that gives you that breath. I ask that you receive it as a gift today. I ask that the truth that you are fully loved and fully known, I ask that that would resonate so much deeper in your soul than any way that this world wants to say that you are defined, that your identity is stamped by what you do. I pray that there is a trust and a deepening that we are defined by our Father and His love for us. And I pray that there is a steadfastness, a commitment to keep that truth in full view. And to always rest and remember. Jesus, we love you. Make these truths so real in our lives that we don't know how to look in a different direction. Make them in full view, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Rest and remember. We'll see you next week.